This morning, we are <clears throat> uh, focusing on one of two final messages on David's series. And next Sunday, Psalm 23 would be David's life psalm. More of a David's theme song. Uh, today will be David's banner song. Even though it's um, in the middle of a narrative in 2 Samuel chapter 22, the entire chapter 51 verse is actually repeated in Psalm 18. Just a little revision is there. And you could see that why. It was taken as David's personal uh, psalm in the story of um, David's life. And then later it became a public song. And, and most likely David tweaked it just a little bit. So Psalm 22 psalm, I'm sorry, Second Samuel 22, that psalm inserted in there is the original one. And Psalm 18 is a revision for the public worship. But let's get a quick overview on this. Um, about Psalm, I said, first Second Samuel, Second uh, Samuel chapter twenty-two. It is David's theology from his experiential knowledge. And if you look at the Psalm, as usual, David thinks from Scripture, and actually, um, he takes it and personalizes it, and even dramatizes it. And there's a little hyperbole in there, too. So we need to be watchful on that. Um, he actually has a glimpses of Pentateuch in this psalm. Nonetheless, it is not just the head knowledge. He has experienced God. And hence, the today's title is David and His God. We talked about several uh, characters with David's, in David's life. David and Goliath, David and Bathsheba, David and Absalom. But today, as we conclude this series, we get to focus on David and his God. But his experiential knowledge of God. Secondly, it is David's praise, personal praise to God, as well as his proclamation about God. So if you look through this, and David does that seamlessly. And I think we should do that in our journal too. He actually changes from you, Lord, second person, and actually the Lord is this. He changes into third person, He's actually proclaiming to others, to teach others, to share his personal testimony to others, too. Thirdly, 
It is David's, uh, in light of all this, David's dual purpose song, a personal uh, tribute. That's why I call it, this is a David's banner song. Um, this song, Psalm might have written early days of his life, but it's placed at the end of Second Samuel because the author had a definite purpose for this, and it's a concluding remark about David and his God. But and yet, this personal psalm and personal tribute becomes a corporate praise. If you look at superscription of Psalm 18, it will say, to the choir master. In other words, this is to be sung as a congregation latter days of even after, long after David died. Fourth and lastly, with excitement, we need to anticipate this, not just as somebody's song all by himself, but it provides powerful lessons about what God is like, even to us, Christ followers in 21st century. And here's a question I'd like to ask you, and to think about what is God like as we're reading through the whole thing. You need to bear with me. This is five, 51 verses, the whole chapter. We're going to read it together. Hear the word of God. Second Samuel chapter 22, beginning with verse 1. And David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul, he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, you save me from violence. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. For the waves of death encompassed me, and the torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of shoal entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I call upon the Lord. To my God, I called. From his temple he heard my voice, and my cry came to his ears. Then the earth reeled and rocked, and the foundation of the heavens trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went off from his nostril and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He was seen on the wings of the wind. He made darkness around him, his canopy. Thick clouds, a gathering of water. Out of the brightness before him, coals of fire flamed forth. The, the Lord thundered from heaven. And the Most High uttered his voice. And he sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning and routed them. And the channels of the seas 
sea were seen. The foundation of the world were laid bare at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostril. He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they are too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me and from his statutes I did not turn aside. I was blameless before him and I kept myself from guilt. And the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his sight. With the merciful, you show mercy, yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you deal purely. And with the crooked, you make yourself seem tortuous. You say a humble you save a humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them down. For you are my lamp, O Lord, and my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a trip, trip, troop, and my and my God by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? Who is a rock except our God? This God is my strong refuge and has made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms bend, can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your gentleness made me great. You gave a wide place for my steps under me and my feet did not slip. I pursued my enemies and destroyed them and did not turn back until they were consumed. I consumed them. I thrust them through so that they did not rise. They fell under my feet. For you equipped me with the strength of the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me those who hated me, and I destroyed them. They looked, but there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them fine as the dust of the earth. I crushed them and stamped them down like the mire 
of the streets. You deliver me from strife with my people. You kept me as the head of the nations. People whom I had not known served me. Foreigners came clinging to me. As soon as they heard of me, they obeyed me. Foreigners lost heart and came trembling out of their fortresses. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be my God, the rock of my salvation, the God who gave me vengeance and brought down people under me, who brought me out of my own enemies, my enemies. He exalted me above those who rose against me. You delivered me from men of violence. For this, I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing praises to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. You know, if you pay attention to last verse, there's some clues that we could get. And number one, this is a covenantal psalm. In other words, 3,000 after David wrote this, this is as relevant to us as it was to them, to his people back then. Why? Because David here is not just a King David, David also the son of David, coming Messiah, and actually points to Christ. And that's why some of you are perplexed about David's sins and he mentions about blameless, cleanness before you and all that. Who is one person who could really actually say that? Jesus himself. And that his righteousness is our righteousness. The righteousness for the Christ followers come outside of us. Or for anybody. The salvation comes from outside of us. And the, the fancy theological word is imputed unto us. What Christ's righteousness, his perfect obedience, his perfect life, his death, on the cross and the resurrection has become ours. But the question that I would like to ask each one of you this morning is the question that it came to me throughout my meditation on this. If someone asked you this morning, so you know God, what is God like? What would you say? I know some of you are Star Wars fans. So you know Star Wars. What is Star Wars like? And as soon as maybe reporter points to you that you, you take the mic and you could go nonstop 10 minutes fluently every direction of Some of you are well-versed in golf. You would do the same. 
And some of you um, are still in love with your spouse. Praise God for that. <laughs> so what, what is your spouse like? And then let me tell you about my baby. My honey. The first fact that we need to face with, there's something different about David's God, isn't it? It's not. It's the same God whom we serve. I'm struck by that. There are four things what God, what God is like in this psalm of David. David's personal tribute to his God. Here's the first one. According to this psalm, David's God is a personal God who is intimate. And David knew his God intimately. Lest we think that the picture is rose garden or uh, garden of Eden walking around and and God gives them, God gives him um, just luxurious gift, enjoying. It's almost like a, you know, a picture of yourself in uh, Cancun. So it's a blue ocean and your feet is up and God is walking or maybe laying down with you. Everything that you do well is blessed by God and your children are you know, doing great in school. Your business is booming. That's not the picture. If you look at Second Samuel chapter 22, the most translation will have this heading, David's Song of Deliverance. This is crisis time. Why, well, actually, much of David's life, he was on the run from his enemies. Trouble after trouble. In the midst of those troubles, David knew God intimately. So I asked you about, uh, you know, what comes to your mind about your spouse or, you know, what kind of, Nickname do you have, if I ask? Um, some of you guys don't know. I do have official church email that I don't usually use. With you guys, I probably haven't used at all. Maybe first time or is it when I write welcome email. Paul Kim, Paul.kim at crosswayoc.org. This is only outside communication. Inside, I, I have a personal email, Gmail. The one beauty of uh, the paradigm shift of my pastoral ministry, there is no public ministry and private life that I hide in. My life is open book. So my Gmail is also ministry email and personal email. Paul, M-B-K, at 
gmail.com. MBK stands for My Beautiful Kate. It used to be Magic Bear Kim. That's a long story. <laughs> I, I like that. Really, um, Kate's been, from day one, God's handpicked blessing for me. But other than my beautiful Kate, I call her sweetie, but that's about it. Look at David. Look at how many names he has for God. He's God. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my rock, again, my shield, the horn of my salvation. When it comes to, in that uh, cultural context, horn, any kind of dimension, horn of my salvation is the strength because horn is the strongest part of uh, rams and, um, and all those kind of wild animals. My stronghold, my refuge, my savior, and uh, verse 19, my support, my lamp, and verse 33, my strong refuge, verse 43, and then same psalm uh, tweaked for the corporate worship, Psalm 18, verse 1. I love you, Lord. That's the only different part. I, I love you, Lord, my strength. No other biblical character has this met many names for God. His heart, David's heart, beats with the, his passion and love and intimacy with God. This is something that delighted God's heart. The man after God's own heart. And I've seen some uh, uh, friends who has a PhD in theology. There are fancy theological words. But cold heart, I sense. Whether irrelevant people, the secular people, or the grunge uh, Christian like Ch Generation X or millennials and uh, trying to be hip, calling God the man upstairs or Jesus my buddy or homie. If you look at every single word and you're saying, oh, that's a metaphor, Paul. He's a poet. He, this is a literary form. Yes and no. He was able to draw from his creativity, but every single word, I bet, has a story.
And today, as we are concluding one of two final messages in David's series, we should ask, what can I learn from David? Do I walk with my God? Do I have that relentless pursuit, even amidst of difficulties, trials, and crises? Lest you think that, well, God had a special favor on, on David. The grace of God through Son of David is on us exactly the same way. The favor is on us. Do you feel the nudging of the Holy Spirit? I'm, I'm talking about as simple as baby step this might be. You get up in the morning. It's Monday morning. Nothing special about this morning. It's same old morning. And there is no announcement. This is the moment that you get intimate with God. But you seize that morning. David's word is, I will awaken the morning. From the daybreak, he's saying, my heart wakes up and I'm going to wake up the world. The sunrise will be awakened by my praise, my pursuit of God. So don't wait. Don't wait that God will some, sometimes touches you and you know, feel just electric feelings all over your body and you see the cloud as you're driving out somehow it forms in a Jesus face and you do, oh my. Number two key characteristic of David's God is Mighty God who protects his own. David experienced the mighty hand of God who delivered him from troubles over and over, time after time. There are so many verses in this psalm, but if I take a few verses in verse 7 and verse 19 through 21, David writes, in my distress, I call upon the Lord to my God. I called from his temple. He heard my voice and my cry came to his ears. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, his enemies. But the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because of he because he delighted in me the lord dealt with me according to my righteousness according to the cleanness of my hands he rewarded me 
Do you remember when I kind of hinted that there's a Pentateuch personalized and he creatively used hyperbole there too? Do you see that? The nostrils of God blowing out flame, earthquake happens, and the sea splits. That's Red Sea. So he puts himself in Israelites in the desert and going through the wilderness and then meeting God on Mount Sinai and then Moses seeing the wondrous of holy and mighty God which made everyone tremble and they didn't want to they didn't want the Lord speak to them directly because it trembled them so much as pleaded Moses to talk to him have him talk to you first and the scene of Egyptian army chariots and following after the Israelites so he's taking that as, a, as if something like that happened to my life as well when my enemy was chasing me I saw his might. Just the past weekend, we had a special meeting and we were praying for the miracle and God showed up with might. Inside, I wanted to jump because this is impossible in that meeting. The heart transformation, glimpses of hope we see. We also know this is a beginning of, near beginning of a real battle happens when any people of God decide to get out of the pit and now he or she together walk in the name of Christ for the glory of God. The real battle happens. So everyone in that meeting, was delighted at the same time, very cautious. Let's be vigilant. So I praise God for that. But God is alive. And I, don't you see the connection, even the spiritual direction that we receive, the taste and see that the Lord is good? But in that, Context of tasting and seeing that the Lord is good is not a just lazy garden. It's a real harsh realities. Where is there where there is sickness, incurable sickness, where there is chronic problems and broken marriages, uncontrollable teenagers, financial problems. And worst of it all, your own cynicism about spiritual life. This is an open invitation from David, his experience with God.
And he is saying, I praise you who is worthy to be praised. For not only for David, but his offspring, every offspring. This is, in a sense, spiritually, meaning the son of David, Messiah, whoever belongs to Christ. You and me. When was the last time you experienced the Lord's deliverance? His power and might. I, I, guess, I guess one thing that uh, it's God's personal encouragement and favor on our congregation when one week prior to our anniversary, the zoning issue, city, city, city of Santa Ana basically forbidden us to meet here legally because a professional P zone doesn't allow. Do you remember how we didn't do anything but praying and waiting for the Lord? And the Lord showed up he, with his might. The Department of Justice, all the way from Washington, D.C., contacted Santa Ana, naming our church as an example. The letter of investigation was given to them. We were waiting for follow-up and the, the DOJ people would come out and interview us. Maybe what are the next steps? What happened was mind-boggling. The city of Santa Ana conceded to the investigation. We were wrong. We will, ex we will change the zoning law. And as of April 5th, we could be the first church to submit application for conditional use permit. I know if you followed our story ever since last year, June, this is unbelievable. Our small, humble church experienced this power. So would you take that as an, as, as an encouragement? That whatever you feel like hopelessness, God can come in with his mind. Because he's merciful. He's righteous. Third, key characteristic about David's God in this song is triumphant God who is righteous and Righteous and merciful. Um, David experienced the victory over his enemy. Or sh sh should we say the victories over his enemy? Because it, time after time he experienced this too. By the power of righteous and merciful God. Just a quick example from this psalm. Um, uh, passage, verse 28 to 30 and 49. You save a humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them down. For you are my lamp, O Lord, and my God lightens my darkness. For by you I, I can run against the tr troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. I'm going to quote Eugene Peterson 
in just a few minutes at the end. And uh, his reflection on David's life, the title of his book is Leap Over a Wall. And then if we understand the cultural context, this is such an encouraging remark. And you've seen uh, Braveheart and all those the old movies when they're going at war in the castles, what do you need to do? The, some brave men have to climb the wall. And the most people die, try to leap over the wall, scaling the wall. And David is saying, with your victory, because of your power, because of the triumphant God, I can leap over a wall. Things that are impossible naturally to me, I could do. Lest you think that these enemies in our personal lives, those people whom you don't like and you kind of despise, uh, those are people actually the son of David, in, some, in the sense that what David foreshadowed, who for, whom David foreshadowed, Jesus' teaching was totally different. We are to love our enemies. Then who are these enemies? Do you remember Gene Edwards? That when I, once I quoted early of this series, who wrote story of three kings. Three kings were David, uh, King Saul, and King David, and King Absalom. And his insight gives us spiritual insight into this passage as well. Edwards writes that David's enemy was not Saul, was not Absalom. Because even in the attitude, he didn't want to touch God's anointed. To Saul, David was sworn enemy, whom he has to chase after and kill him. But to David, Saul was never his enemy from the heart. And Gene Edwards insightfully points out the enemy that he was fighting was the Saul-likeness and Absalom-likeness in his heart. What is Saul really like? Envy and jealousy. In other words, in New Testament language, it's the flesh of our body, sinful nature. If you follow the desires of your sinful flesh, you will surely die. But the mind controlled by the Holy Spirit is life and peace. If you follow the desires of the Spirit, you shall live. The spiritual battle, the one that we're really fighting, is evil and sin and death and Satan. So David thought that 
envy and jealousy in his heart. What about Absalom? Bitterness and anger and wrathful ambition. Do you remember that? And David's confession, when Absalom was going after him, instead of taking the Ark of the Covenant, which is a symbolic validation of who, true, who the true king is, chosen by God, he said, sent it over. If the Lord wants me, continue to be the king, and gives me throne, he will bring me back to the Ark. The throne is not up to me. And throne belongs to the, to the Lord. That's a sure freedom. Let me ask you, what are you obsessed by? What are your sickness that you carry because of repetition and pattern of your sin? How will you fight? by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's your true enemy. And if you are having rough time with your spouse, your spouse, hear me out, is not your enemy. Your teenage son, your daughter, is not your enemy. Your neighbor is not your enemy. The very sin and evil in our hearts is our true enemy. We should remember this. God is righteous and yet merciful. If he is continually righteous without mercy, we will be consumed. But remember, you know, the letter of James in the New Testament shares just a very encouraging word that mercy triumphs over judgment. God's mercy triumphs over judgment. Number four key characteristic of this song about David's God is covenant God who is worthy to be praised. This is another mark, isn't it? David wrote most of the psalm. He's a poet. He's a songwriter. His topic is about his God. David praised God, praised his God for the steadfast love of the covenant people, for the covenant people of the Lord. Uh, verses 32 to 33 and 50 to 51 gives us a glimpse of that from this song. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? This God is my strong refuge and has made my way blameless. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing praises to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring 
forever. The steadfast love to his anointed, right there. Do you remember we actually look into this original Hebrew word? Hesed. Loyal love of God's covenant. Or should we say covenant, unchanging love of God. Hence, uh, ESV is translated steadfast love. Um, and NIV, uh, I think NIV translated some other way, I just forgot. But in the idea is that it's not a, it's not a human type of emotional love that you, if you do that, I'm not going to love you anymore kind of thing. He is committed to you. He loves you because his character and nothing in this world, in the spiritual world, cannot, can separate us from the love of Christ. Love of God, love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So when David says, um, "I'll sing praises to the Lord who is worthy to be praised," I, I think there are two words that come to mind. He sings it heartily, with all his God. But he sings it also contagiously. This is not one of those privacy. Oh, you don't, you don't have to sing along if you don't like to. And it's my, my religion is private religion kind of thing. But David wanted to the whole nations. I'll praise you, O Lord, among the nations. So I wonder, in your heart of hearts, whether you have this contagious praise. Remember the, the seizing of the moment, you know, when you get up in the morning? Or, or there, there are really just exceptionally, I envy those people who could get up and say, you know, beautiful day, and whistling happens naturally. For somehow Henry comes to my mind, Henry Lopez, right? You know what? My confession is when I get up, I'm grumpy. Like that, the first thing usually comes to my mind, oh, every, why is it hurt? I'm getting old. Aches. And that's the moment we need to obey this. It's not because something, you didn't hit the jackpot. There's no lottery winning. But when you think about the great value that we have in God, in Christ Jesus, we could praise the Lord. And if it helps you, play YouTube. One of those songs that makes you feel prayerful and full of praise. So after that Friday night, I shared that uh, Hiskiah, what's his name? Hiskiah Walker's, uh, no, no uh, commercial here. I just love that every praise 
is to our God. I've been playing this song over and over. So here's um, the, uh, Eugene Peterson's quote that I mentioned. He writes, David's life, in contrast, was a God-affirming and God-affirmed life, large and expensive. What Jesus named more and better life than they ever dreamed of in John 10.10, his paraphrase of, I came to give you life and life abundantly. And what St. Paul called the immensity of this glorious way of life, God has for Christians. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust in him. Ephesians 1.18. Once again, his paraphrase, the message translation. David, with all his rough edges, he never got around to loving his enemies the way his descendant Jesus would do it. His morals and manners left a lot to be desired. First, his conclusion, Peterson's conclusion, we get God and then over a patient lifetime we were trained in God's way. But hence the point is that David was a, the man after God's own heart, not because he was born supernaturally, that he was born in a way that he had all these characteristics, didn't have to cultivate anything. No, he saw, he was seen by God, the potential of it. And God took him, trained him, broke him, molded him through much of it through a hard time. This is God's severe mercy. And then, who is the main character behind the scene of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel? For that matter, entire Old Testament and New Testament, the Lord himself who is in the making of godly man and woman, both you and me. So I ask you, brothers and sisters, as we recapping, what do we, what can you apply about personal intimate God? Would you think about what it means to pursue God in your everyday life, especially if you are going through trials? Rather than after this, I'll, I'll spend time with God. And after this, I'm going to be serious about my spiritual life. My spiritual discipline. And really, I'm gonna, going to hammer this point one more time. Let me be redundant. We ought to have secret memories about God and me, my own life. If you come to my house, and there's a like a box. In the box, this size of a lot of just half-size notebook, nothing simple. 
In the early days, I didn't even want to bother to buy journal kind. It's just like one of those cheapest kind. My old journal. Stacked of it. And if you ask me, Paul, your, fire, your, your house is on the fire. What are you going to take? You have only one item to pick it out. Uh, of course, it's easy for me because we don't have anything too valuable, I think. <laughs> but other than my boys, my four sons and wife, <laughs> I'll grab that. Because this is, has full of my memories about how God loved me, how God trained me, how in the midst of pit that I cried out to God. When my dad was passing, several entries on the same day gave me hope, just reading through that. Oh, that, that was more than 20-some years ago. Looking back, wow, I thought I was a kid and I didn't know what I was doing. But at that, in that crucible, the, my heart was yearning and clinging to God in such a way that I have a hard time to doing it right now. So build some memories. Cultivate. Go out. Pursue hardly. Pursue after God hard with, with the entire whole heart. Number two about mighty God. Would you desperately cling to merciful God for your deliverance? God's deliverance of you? Do not check out because of your pain. The very thing that you need is God in the midst of the darkness. And you will understand some what some Christian thinkers write about bright darkness. Isn't that oxymoron? How can darkness be bright? Why? Because the intervention of God's spirit, the utter brokenness, you begin to see the value, glorious value of Jesus Christ in your life. And it strips other distractings away from you. Number three, about triumph God. We ought to experience tangible victories by the power of God. As our church has been favored by God and we have experienced some tangible victories that gives us increased faith. And several people who got involved in that will be never be the same. I'm so encouraged by Irene sharing time after time. And she even says, we got to do another project because I need to grow. <laughs> don't tell me that. We don't need another problem at our church. Okay, we need to submit an application. You could help with that. You know? Third, fourth, and lastly, covenant God. Let's praise the Lord heartily and contagiously. Let your neighbor know 
And not in an obnoxious way, but gentleness, the attractive aroma of Christ, that when you just genuinely share that. You don't have to be an Eagles fan. I, you know, some of my friends were very disappointed Patriots lost. I'm, I'm actually glad, but not because I, I was just rooting for underdog. He, they never won Super Bowl before. But after the fact, because I didn't know much about Eagles, the quarterback who was a second ring, because first ring um, startup quarterback got injured, right? This great opportunity that he takes that, the, the phrase that he uses, all glory to God. And his coach sharing how beautiful this was. And instead of just using the generic word, thanking God, I thank my Lord Jesus Christ. My Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wow. Powerful. We could do the same. And may our hearts on fire. Let's pray. Father, I really do thank you for David. Just a man just like us. A man who also failed miserably. And his family was broken apart because of his own sin. And his nations were trembling down. But amidst of all that, he clung to you. He pursued, pursued you with all his heart. And this relentless trust and childlike faith that we see, obedience that we see, Convict us. Lord, we pray that we may become like David, who has lots of stories about our secret memories of, about you. In our journal, that we will have more names for you. And in our praises, that we have a stories to tell the testimonies of faithfulness of God and power of God in our lives, Lord. And may Crossway be ignited by this personal, mighty, covenant God this year. And may we taste and see that the Lord is good indeed. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen.